KMTT Kimitzion Tetzay Torah Thursday Shirin Hilchot Shabbat of Harav Asaf Bednash. Harav Bednash was uh, sick for the last week. He had no voice, and uh, last night he came in. He said he thinks his voice is coming back, and he will try to do the shir. As you will hear, he gradually loses his voice in the uh, half hour that he's giving the shir. And I hope we all appreciate, I appreciate, I hope you all appreciate the, the effort he made, the Mamish Mesiris Nefesh that he made to come and give the share a few minutes before it was, uh, it was due. And I remind you once again, this is the week that we are ensuring the future of KMTT. And we call on everybody, all the members of this community, growing community, community of Torah, to participate, to come together, and to support this shared endeavor. Uh, if you send in checks by mail, make them out to Yeshiva Taratzion. In Israel, mail them to the Yeshiva, Yeshiva Taratzion, Alon Shput Gushetzion, 90433. In New York, you can mail checks to friends, the American friends of Yeshiva Taratzion. 160 Broadway, New York, New York, Suite 1000. Phone number in New York, 212-732-4874. And the phone number in Israel, 0524-311-911. This is the week. We're getting close to the end of the week. I'm not going to bother you for the rest of the year. Please give us the assurance Show us your appreciation, not because we need to hear it from you, that's very good as well. But we all need, you and I together, we need to know that we can continue to produce what I think is a very exciting revolution in Hafatzas Hatova throughout Amisal. And now, Harav Bednash. Allow me to steal yet a few more seconds of your time. We wish a warm Mazal Tov to Rav Ezra Bick and his wife Etta upon the wedding this evening of their daughter Batsheva with Roe Stern. May they be zocher to build a Beit Ne'eman Israel. <coughs> Today's shear will deal with the issue of violating an Isser Abanan to prevent loss of money on Shabbat. The entire last parak of, of Masechet Shabbat, the 24th parak, Misha Hichshech, deals with the case of someone, perhaps the all-too-familiar case, of someone who is Misha Hichshich Baderech Vikisobiado, someone who's stuck on the road when Shabbat starts, and he's carrying his wallet or other valuable items. And the Mishnah there gives a series of heterim that Chazal were matter in the case of someone stuck on the road at the beginning of Shabbat, the person who's stuck to violate an Isur Rabbanan on Shabbat in order to safely get his wallet home and not suffer a significant loss of money. Uh, for example, <coughs> without going through all the details, there's a Seder Difuyot. There's a triage process. One has to try to save his money with the minimum Isur necessary. For example, if you have a guy with you, you let the guy carry the wallet home. If not, then you put it on an animal, taking certain a whole complex procedure to make sure one does not violate the Yisra Raisa of causing one's animal to work on Shabbat. Um, one could even, using a certain procedure, give it to a katan, a child, to carry. 
into the house with you. If not, one can carry it in Mishat HaRabim, three amot at a time, so one never carries four amot in Mishat HaRabim. And there are other heter mentioned there, including the case of someone who has his bundle, all his work of the week on his back, when Shabbat starts, who can run home quickly without ever stopping, so that one never does an akira, one never starts moving on Shabbat, run home quickly while the sun is still shining, without stopping, and then throw it kilachayad in an unusual fashion from the street into one's home. Now, ayeng shochan archsimen reish samachvav, if one wants to see all the details of exactly how Chazal legislated that we accomplish this act of saving the money in the way which minimizes the infraction, but the principle is very clear. Chazal permitted someone who's stuck on the road when Shabbat starts to violate an Isur de Rabbanan, a rabbinic prohibition of Hilchot Shabbat, in order to save the money he has with him and not just abandon it in the street at the moment of sunset. There's a whole sefer called Yoshev Ohel, written by uh, a Rabbi Avram Ort, uh, a fellow I don't know personally, but a very nice sefer, written all about the halachot of someone who's stuck on the road when Shabbat is about to start. Of course, the first halacha goes without saying. The first halacha he mentions is that one should plan adequately in advance and not take any risks so that one is not stuck on the road when Shabbat starts. But granted that, what happens if one is stuck on the road? He goes through many different halachic applications that are relevant. One of the issues he deals with is, what if one is stuck on the road when Shabbat starts and one has valuables which one cannot afford to abandon? And he gives a modern-day application of the principles of the 24th parak of Masechet Shabbat, of Misha Hirshech, and tells us that one may violate even an Isur Rabbanan, one may violate an Isur Rabbanan on Shabbat in order to save one's valuables from being lost, such as uh, carry mukta into a hotel where one can store it safely, or even pay for the hotel, or... He goes so far as to permit signing into a hotel with one's left hand, which would be kalachriyad in an unusual fashion, in order to ha- if that's the only way to have a safe place to store one's valuables. He uh, <coughs> goes through many halachic details. But the principle is clear. And at least this circumstance, one is permitted to violate Misur Ramanan to avoid loss of money. But, we must ask, that's the practical halacha. But is this the principle of the matter? Is the principle of Misha Hirshich really that the value of saving our money overrides the prohibition of violating the Surah Ramanan and Shabbat? And the answer would be a resounding no. Because the Gemara tells us there in Daf Kufnam Gimla and Aleph at the beginning of the parak, my time, Ashawale Rabban Lamate of Kisel and What's the reason Chazal gave us this permission to violate Misur Rabbanan on Shabbat? Not because the value of saving our money from loss is more important than keeping the rabbinic prohibitions of Chol Shabbat, but rather as a gzera, since the rabbis understood human psychology that it is exceedingly difficult it is too difficult to expect of every Jew that if Shabbat comes and he's carrying all his valuables, he'll just abandon them, drop them on the road. And what is likely to happen? If Chazal would tell us, no, you have to just leave your valuables on the street when Shabbat starts, then someone will end up saying, forget it, this is too hard for me. I'm going to carry them home. And they will violate an Isur de Oraita of Havarat al-Namot of carrying through public thoroughfare on Shabbat. 
And what would happen is that Jews, with no other option, would give in to temptation and violate the Yisurda right of carrying their valuables home on Shabbat in the regular fashion. Therefore, Chazal said, it is better to permit a Jew stuck in such a situation to violate the Yisurda Rabbanan, better to permit someone stuck on the road with valuables to violate the Yisurda Rabbanan of <coughs> bringing them home in some way, which is only a certain Rabbanan level, in order to prevent him from violating the Yisurda Rabbanan. The modern-day application might be better to permit the Yisurda Rabbanan to guard one's valuables if one is stuck on the road when the sun sets Friday afternoon, because otherwise the person might give in to temptation and continue driving their car, or even continue walking and carrying their property down the highway, which is likely to be a Rishot HaRabim, and violating Yisurda Raita. So there's one important principle we've learned so far then, which is that the Rabbanan certainly permitted a Jew to violate Yisurda Rabbanan, to violate the most lenient Yisurda Rabbanan available to him, but to violate Yisurda Rabbanan if he's stuck when Shabbat starts with his valuables, but not because they, they felt bad for the loss of money and wanted to help us save our money. Rather, there's this special unique rule in a unique circumstance where they permitted violation of Yisurda Rabbanan in order to avoid putting the average Jew into a situation of temptation where he'd be likely to violate Yisurda Raita. But that still leaves us with the question, what about a situation which is not a unique circumstance? Where we're not necessarily afraid that, well, if we don't let you violate Yisurda Rabbanan, you'll give in and violate Yisurda Raita. What about just the Stam case where the choices are violating Yisurda Rabbanan or lose money? What's more important? Is it worth losing the money? Or did Rabbanan voluntarily relax the restrictions and give us a break and allow us to violate Yisurda Rabbanan because they felt bad for the Jews, the Torah is very careful not to waste Jewish money, and they didn't want us to have to suffer a loss on Shabbat. So, this seems to come up in two sugyot. The problem is these two sugyot seem to present radically opposite conclusions. In one sugya, in Masechet Ketubot, the Gemara tells us, That Sinor Shalubo Kaskasin, if some sort of weeds get stuck in the gutter, and the gutter is now blocked, and the water collects on the roof and will damage your roof. Those of us who are homeowners know that uh, water pooling on the roof and causing significant damage to the roof is one of the scariest cases of loss of money that we can envision. So what can you do? You can squish those weeds and unstop the blockage with your foot quietly, privately, while no one's looking on Shabbat. Without worry. Why? Because you're all fixing the gutter in an unusual fashion. Doing Working on Shabbat in an, un, in an abnormal fashion is only a Surmi From the Torah, it's only prohibited to do work in the normal fashion. Mid Rabbanan, the rabbis decreed that we may not work even Kalach Yad in, in an abnormal fashion. But since that is only an Isur Rabbanan, the rabbis relaxed their prohibitions and permitted us to do work Kalach Yad to violate a rabbinic prohibition to avoid loss of money. However, all of the Rishonim there, most famously the Ran, <coughs> on Shabbat, Daf Samach Aleph, in the 
page numbering of the Rith, point out that although we have one sugya, which seems to tell us clear black and white, it is the rabbis permitted us to do any sort of Ramanan just to avoid loss of money, because they didn't want us to have to lose money. On the other hand, in an even more serious danger to one's home, the case of Chas Shalom, a fire breaking out, the Gemaran Shabbat Daf Kuf Chafal from an Aleph tells us a radically opposite conclusion. Nowadays, the Minhag is to call the fire company and put out fires on Shabbat, because in our modern-day cities, with our contemporary construction techniques, a fire is likely to present a danger to life, and a situation of Pikuach Nefesh permits doing Melachah on Shabbat. But in the days of Chazal, it was generally assumed that a fire presented no risk to human life. Of course, there was a significant hefsid, significant loss of money was involved. So, what is one allowed to do if there's a fire? The Mishnah tells us, Not only may a Jew not put out the fire, even if a guy is available, one may not tell a non-Jew to put out a fire on Shabbat. Later on, the Gemara tells us we can hint to a non-Jew in some circumstances. We can allow a non-Jew to put out the fire. But, one cannot tell a non-Jew to put out the fire on Shabbat. <coughs> now, of course, telling a guy to do Malachan Shabbat is merely a sermon drabanan. It's only a rabbinic prohibition. And a fire represents a significant threat of loss of money. So in this sugya, it seems that we are not allowed to violate any sur drabanan to prevent loss of money. Not only that, but the Ran and the other Mephoshim point out that we, Paskin, like the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, everyone except for the Rambam, Paskin like Rabbi Shimon, that that if you do a Malachan Shabbat, <coughs> but not for the sake of that object itself, rather for some other ulterior motive, that is not a Torah prohibition, it is merely rabbinically prohibited. So, putting out a fire then, if one put out a fire in order to improve the burning object itself and to turn it into charcoal, that would be a Torah prohibition. That is the case of Mechabah, of extinguishing, which is prohibited by the Torah. But if one puts out a fire, not to improve the burning wood, but for the ulterior motive of saving one's property from being burnt, then that is only a rabbinic prohibition. It's a malachah gufa. It's an act done, not for its own sake, but just to prevent some untoward side effect. If so, then telling a guy to put out a fire is only telling a guy to do a malachah which is rabbinically prohibited. Meaning it is two steps removed from the Torah prohibition. It is only telling a guy, which is itself a rabbinic prohibition, and even that you're telling him to merely violate a rabbinic prohibition of extinguishing, which is done not for the sake of the item extinguished, but to save some other item. So how come, in Ksubostav Samech, we are allowed to violate a rabbinic prohibition in order to save money, but in Shabbat, we are not even allowed to violate a doubly removed rabbinic prohibition. A rabbinic form of a rabbinic prohibition. Or what we call in the modern Allah language a shvus de shvus. Something which is a surmi drabanan, which is for another reason only a surmi drabanan. You're only telling a guy to do it, and the word, the, this type of extinguishing is only a surmi drabanan anyway. How come that's not permitted to save money? And it seems to me there are four approaches to resolving this in the Rishonin potentially. <coughs> the most lenient approach is the first answer of the Ran on this sugya. The Ran answers that really, theoretically, one is allowed to violate a rabbinic prohibition, an Isur Rabbanan, in order to save one's money. 
However, this is true of all rabbinic prohibitions except for extinguishing a fire. Why? Because if one were to extinguish the fire, yes, that would be rabbinically prohibited because your intention is not to turn the burning wood into charcoal. But since that's just a subtle matter of intention and most people don't understand the difference between doing an act with one intention versus doing an act with another intention, meaning most people would not understand the difference between Malacha Sheinatsuchalugufa, work done not for its own sake, and Malachatsuchalugufa, work done for the sake of the object itself. Therefore, <coughs> the Ran tells us that it is permitted to do any Surd Rabbanan to avoid loss of money except for a Malachatsuchalugufa, except for extinguishing a fire and the like, which would be Nisur Daraita or any Surd Rabbanan, depending on whether your intention was for the object itself or not. Any Malachashi Natsuchalugufa, where the line between a Durabun and Daraisa is just determined by a subtle thought in the mind of the actor, is prohibited even to avoid loss of money. So the principle is one may violate any Isur Durabunan to avoid loss of money, except for Malachashi Natsuchalugufa. Ah, if so, why can't one ask a guy to put out the fire on Shabbat? Because, yes. as we can certainly understand, the way one puts out a fire, it's not really enough to have one person putting out the fire. If you see someone putting out a fire, your natural inclination is to help out. And since Adam Bahulam Amuno, person would be very concerned and confused when his property was ablaze, if you told a guy to put out the fire, then you would likely end up helping him and putting out the fire yourself. And therefore, even if you just tell a guy to put out a fire, which is telling a guy to do any Sir Rabbanan, it is exceedingly likely that you yourself will help put out the fire, and you, will, the average Jew, will not really know the difference between having one intention and another intention, and so the Jew himself will very likely help out putting out the fire, and might have the intention, while he's putting out the fire, of also improving the burning wood, and therefore, it is too likely to lead to an Isur Daraita on Shabbat. The principle being, in the first opinion of the Ran, that it is permitted to violate any Isur Rabbanan to avoid loss of money, except for telling a guy to extinguish a fire, because, even though it's Durabanan for two reasons, the fact that it's Durabanan because you don't have intention to improve the object acted upon, that you're acting upon is not a good excuse, because intentions are too difficult to keep track of. And the fact that you're only telling a guy to put up his fire is not a good excuse, because the nature of things is that people join in putting out fires when they're very concerned. So the exception is telling a guy to put out the fire. But the rule is that one can violate Nisur Rabbanan to avoid loss of money. That's the first approach of the Ran. However, the second approach of the Ran, while the first approach of the Ran told us the rule was Ksubos, one can do Nisur Rabbanan to avoid loss of money. For some reason, having a guy put out the fire is an exception, and we're machmer on that. The second opinion of the Ran takes the opposite approach. The rule is Shabbat Kuf Chaf Aleph Amad Aleph. One may not do any Surd Ramanan to avoid loss of money. One may not even tell a guy to do any Surd Ramanan to avoid loss of money on Shabbat. The exception is Ketubot Daf Samach. Why? Because that is Shvot Kel Achar Yad. Shani Hachi Shu Shvot Kel Achar Yad. It is done in an abnormal fashion. For some reason, the Ran does not explain. The Isur de Rabbanan of doing the Lachak in an unusual fashion is uniquely lenient. That Isur de Rabbanan is unique in that we can take the freedom to be lenient and permitted in some circumstances. We see other hints to this unique nature of Kalachriyat as well. Rashi tells us on Shabbat, Daf Lamatet Aman Aleph, 
that cooking in the sun is permitted on Shabbat because it's not the usual way of cooking. Rashi seems to be of the opinion that, at least in some cases, doing the lacha in an unusual fashion is completely permissible. And the Rabbanan did not prohibit it at all. Now, the truth is, in some cases, if you do malachah in an unusual fashion, that's permissible. Lagamre, completely permissible. In other cases, we find that it's asur mid rabbanan, it's rabbinically prohibited. However, the very fact that, at least in some circumstances, Rashi's of the opinion that ke'akr yad is a heter gummer, is completely permissible, teaches us that doing malachah ke'akr yad in an unusual fashion is perhaps the most lenient form of rabbinically prohibited malachah on Shabbat, and that's why only doing a lacha in a, in an unusual fashion, is permitted to avoid loss of money on Shabbat. The, the reason for this is unclear. Perhaps because the malachot on Shabbat are described in the Torah as malachot machshevet, as only work which is done professionally, and that which is done in an abnormal, clumsy fashion, is by definition so much the opposite of malachot machshevet, of professional smart work, that it is as far removed as one can get from the real Isur Da'oraita Torah prohibition of Malachah and Shabbat. That's why it may be so lenient. Additionally, one might surmise that because not only in Hilchot Shabbat, but in Kolat Arkula, in all areas of the Torah, an act done in an unusual fashion is not considered a real act. So on Shabbat, an act done in an unusual fashion is not considered a real Malachah for two reasons. Number one, it's a general principle of halacha that any unusually done act is not a real act. And number two, on Shabbat, it is for a second reason not a real malachah, because it's not malachah machshevet. It's not done professionally, thoughtfully, skillfully. Therefore, perhaps because this is, because there are two reasons why malachah kalachayad is not the real type of malachah mentioned by the Torah. Number one, because it's not malachah machshevet. Number two, because in all areas of halacha, an act done abnormally is not considered a real act. Perhaps that's why we treat it so leniently and permit only shvot kalachayad, only in the surge of doing done abnormally to prevent loss of money on Shabbat. So, what the Ran might be saying here, what the Ran might be saying here, in his second answer, is that the rule is that one may not violate any surge of to avoid loss of money on Shabbat. The exception is kalachayad. Doing a malachan in an abnormal fashion is the only malachan that one is permitted to do to avoid loss of money on Shabbat. However, even this answer to the Ram is somewhat ambiguous. It says, This case is a Shvot Kalachayad. It's an Isur Drabanan done in an unusual fashion. <coughs> I would have read this Ram and this is the way most of the Rishonim sound in the Sugya, that why is this rabbinically prohibited? Because it's done in an abnormal fashion. However, some Achronim, among them the Prima Gadim, in Shulchan Aruch's Aruch Siman Shin Lamed Vav, Se'if Tet, where this halacha is brought, reads the Ran as saying, Shvut Kelachayat, it's an Isur Drabanan, and in addition, you're doing it in an unusual fashion. The Prima Gadim, representing the school of thought, tells us, that kicking out or squishing or removing grass that clutters and stuffs up your gutter is only an Isur Drabanan. Even if you did it with your hands, it would only be Drabanan. Because you're not actually fixing the gutter. 
The gutter is the same gutter. It just seems like fixing because you're removing an impediment that blocks its usefulness. Removing an impediment that blocks the usefulness of a utensil is not actual fixing. Just that. Rabbinically prohibited a serving dominant because it seems like fixing. This, by the way, is very relevant to the very, very controversial issue of plunging a toilet on Shabbat. But that is not our topic for today. The prima Godin, therefore, interprets the second answer of the Ran that he is only permitting doing an Isur Drabanan, something which is otherwise rabbinically prohibited, something which would be only a serving Drabanan if done normally, plus you do it abnormally. So it's a type of Shvut de Shvut. It's a doubly rabbinic Isur in that it's two steps removed from the real Lachado, right? The number one, because it's not really fixing, it just seems like fixing. And number two, because even that Isur Drabanan of seeming like fixing, you're doing unusually with your feet. Therefore, the way the Prima Godin reads the second answer of the Ran, it is only permitted to do an Isur Drabanan version of an Isur Drabanan. And even that's only permitted if it's a Kilachar Yad version of violating Isur Drabanan. Because Kilachar Yad, doing Malachah abnormally is exceedingly lenient. If what would, you're doing something which would anyway be only a serving Drabanan, plus you do it Kilachar Yad, that is permitted to avoid loss of money. The Mishnah of Rura passes this way. <coughs> because the Mishnah of Rura in Siman Shin Lamed Vav, If katan memvav says that one is allowed to use one's foot to remove weeds from a gutter, he comments vasavim weeds tlushim that are not attached to the ground. Quoting the prima gadim, what he means to say is he doesn't explicate the principles behind what he's saying here, but the mishnah means to say that he endorses the stance of the prima gadim. He says, if the weeds would be attached to the ground and growing in the gutter, then uprooting them from the ground would be an isur da'araita of kotzer. And even if one uprooted them, kilachar yad, in an unnatural fashion, that would be prohibited. We don't permit, not only don't we permit any isur drabanan, we don't even permit doing melacha in an abnormal fashion. We only permit cleaning out weeds that are not attached to the ground, that just got blown in by the wind and stuck there with your foot. Because if they're not attached to the ground, then the only prohibition is fixing the gutter, which the Prima Gaudim says is only seems like fixing, because you're not actually changing the gutter, you're just cleaning it out. And therefore, it's only a sermon you not to clean out a gutter of debris. And if you also do it with your foot, that's a double Yisur Drabanan, a shvut to shvut, not double meaning it's worse because you're doing two Yisur Drabanan. Double meaning it's more lenient because it's in two ways removed from the Doraita. It's only Drabanan. And besides that, it's also only Drabanan. It's only per the Mishnah Brewer endorses the stance of the Prima Gaudim, that is only permitted to do melacha, <coughs> which is drabanan for one reason, and also done abnormally on Shabbat. The Shimbura and the Primigadim probably feel this way, because this is the conclusion of the Magen Avraham, who has a long discussion of this in Siman Shin Zayin, which we'll come back to in a moment. But the Magen Avraham there concludes, We should only per- permit a Jew to do something which is a surge Rabbanan, anyway, plus you also are only doing it in an abnormal fashion, that's the only case we permit. Violating Hilchot Shabbat to prevent loss of money. I mentioned there were four opinions, because there is a fourth, even more Machmer opinion, which is quoted by that Magen Avraham, from the Haggot Mordechai. The Haggot Mordechai thinks we never permit any violation to avoid loss of money in Shabbat. Loss of money is just not something we worry about in Shabbat. The whole point of Shabbat is that we don't care about money. Most of money is just, it's not within the spirit of Shabbat 
to allow any halachic compromise to provide to avoid loss of money? If so, why did the Chachamim allow you to clean out the gutter with your foot? He is mechadesh. He speculates that they didn't really allow you to clean out the gutter to avoid loss of money. Rather, this is a unique circumstance like Mishahechshech. They allowed you to clean out the gutter with your foot because they were afraid you might give in to temptation and clean out the gutter with your hand. But it's not that we actually care about the loss of money. It's just that the Chachamim were afraid you might, Shalom, clean out the gutter with your hand, which he views as an Isurda right of actual fixing. So they permitted you to clean it out with your foot so that you don't come to clean it out with your hand. He surmises this is a unique circumstance like Misha Hirshik and not an actual concern for loss of money. However, this is quite dachuk, very difficult, because the Gemara says, we should say the Logosbe Rabbanan. The Gemara sounds like the Rabbanan were actually concerned to avoid loss of money. So that's why no one is machmer quite as far as that goes Mordechai. But just to review the four opinions, we have the most lenient opinion is the Ran's first opinion. You're allowed to violate any Surd Ramanan to avoid loss of money, except for telling a guy to put out a fire, because that will almost certainly lead to violating the Surd Raita. The second opinion is one reading of the Ran's second opinion. One is not permitted to violate any Surd Ramanan to avoid loss of money, except for doing the Lachakal in an abnormal fashion. Doing Lachan in an abnormal fashion is allowed. The third opinion is the Achronim's understanding of the second opinion of the Ran which is that it's only permitted to do a shvut kelacharyad. The only permission is to do something which is intrinsically only rabbinically prohibited, and then one only violates that. One only does the Yisur Rabbanan by doing a kelacharyad, such as doing something which seems like fixing a gutter with one's foot. Only doing something which is a serving Rabbanan in the first place, and to add additional grounds for leniency, doing that kelacharyad is permitted to avoid loss of money. And the fourth most machmer opinion, Thago Mordechai, there are no leniencies to avoid loss of money at all on Shabbat, except for unique circumstances where Chazal were afraid that if they didn't permit you a smaller Avira, you might give in to temptation and commit the greater Avira of Chibol Shabbat Mamash, of violating the Torah prohibitions of Hilchot Shabbat. The Magen Avram, the Primagodim, the Shabrua lean towards accepting this third opinion, even though it is one of the more machmer stances. The Achronim assume that to avoid loss of money in Shabbat, again, if it's a unique circumstance like being stuck with your wallet, where Chazal were afraid you might do any Sir they permitted you to do any Sir Rabbanan. That's absolutely necessary. But in a regular circumstance, where you just, you want to avoid loss of money, but there's no fear that one will be tempted to do a bigger Avera. Then, one is only allowed to do Shvut Shalok Darko, the violating Sir Rabbanan, by doing the Sir Rabbanan in an unusual fashion. An example, <coughs> an example of that might very well be, uh, perhaps, turning on or off an electric appliance, at least one without a light bulb. If we assume turning on or off an electric appliance without a light bulb is only served Rabbanan, if one did it in an unusual fashion to avoid significant loss of money, that could be, that would be permissible. You can imagine if somehow the air conditioning system was malfunctioning and causing significant loss of money damage to the system or to the house, then if one were to turn off the switch in an abnormal fashion with one's foot or elbow or such, that would be doing the surge Rabbanan of using electricity in an unusual fashion that would be permitted to avoid loss of money. Many other examples as well. The one detail, even though we've gone somewhat over our allotted time, since this is my last year in the series, I will uh, beg your forgiveness to steal a few extra minutes, is what about 
asking a goy to do an Yisur Rabbanan. Now here the Ran was quite clear. In the Ran's second opinion, he says, Shvut the Shabbat and Asekid Arkod, at least what he seems to be saying, is that one is not even allowed to ask a guy to do any surgery Rabbanan to avoid loss of money on Shabbat if that's being done in the usual fashion. Even though we would have thought asking a guy to do something which is anyway only a surgery Rabbanan is not such a big deal. Ron seems to be of the opinion, we could read it around in different ways, but he's taken to be of the opinion that no, if it's all being done in a normal, usual fashion, then that is still a very serious prohibition. We do not relax that prohibition for the sake of avoiding loss of money. However, the Rambam in Hilchot Shabbat Perik Vav tells us that one is allowed to tell a Goy to do an Yisur Rabbanan for Miktzat Choli Utsar Chodar Tzor Harbi Om Someone's a little sick. One can ask a Goy to do something which is anyway only a Surah Rabbanan to relieve his pain. If one cannot do a mitzvah, one is allowed to ask a Goy to do something which is only a Surah Rabbanan to allow that mitzvah to go forward. And if there's a great need. A great need the Achronim understand, the Ravid already understood. The Ravid who held, like the most lenient opinion, says, great need. What do you mean if you're going to lose money? It's most preferred Jew to do any surgery Rabbanan. Okay, that was like the first most lenient opinion. The first opinion of the Ran. But most Achronim understand the Ramam is saying, no, a Jew cannot do any surgery Rabbanan to avoid loss of money. But he can tell a non-Jew to do any surgery Rabbanan to avoid loss of money. What about the fact that you can't tell a non-Jew to put out a fire on Shabbat, which is only a sermon Rabbanan. So, that wouldn't necessarily bother the Ramah very much, because he thinks, that putting out a fire is a sermon right on Shabbat, regardless of one's intention. But, that's not a problem either. The Mishnah Brura, in Siman, um, Shin Lamedalad, tells us that, ah, telling your guy to put out a fire is unique, uniquely prohibited, because of the likelihood that one might join in putting out the fire and end up violating Yisur Doraita. But, according to the Rambam, at least it seems to be, that Surah Harbe, for a great need, one may tell a non-Jew to do any Surah Doraita. The Mughal Ram is very unhappy with this. He quotes a Rivash who prohibited it. He quotes a bit Yosef in Siman Shin Lamedal, who understands the Shudrash is prohibiting it. He quotes the Ran, which is generally understood as prohibiting this. The Mishnabur in Siman Shin Zion even quotes Ilya Rava that says, perhaps... Even the Rambam would prohibit telling a guy to do any Surah Rabbanan to avoid loss of money on Shabbat. When he said you're allowed to tell a guy to do any Surah Rabbanan for a great need, that made a great need that would enhance your comfort on Shabbat. But loss of money? On Shabbat, who's thinking of loss of money? What right do we have to violate the spirit of Shabbat is by caring about money on Shabbat. So, there's a significant thrust in the Achronim. This comes across in the Magen Avram, Simshin Aleph as well. Significant thrust in the Achronim, led by the Magen Avram, to prohibit telling a guy to do any surgery or not to avoid loss of money in Shabbat, like the Rivosh and possibly the Rashba and the Ran. However, most Achronim understand the Rambam is permitting this, and the Shulchan Aruch in Siman Shin Zayin Se'if Se'if Hey quotes the language of the Rambam. So, Ma'alacha, the Mishnah He's not sure what to think of this. He quotes the Magad Avram, who said, in the end, you know what, for Hefzi Gadol, there's a lot of money at stake. I'll be lenient. Yishabur is not entirely comfortable with it. Yelio Rab is still very nervous about it. But Halakhalama said, the post can assume that if there's a significant loss of money at stake, Hefzi Gadol, it would be permitted to tell a Goy 
to do any surgery on Shabbat, the logic being that telling a guy to do something is more, more lenient than doing any surgery on oneself. And if one only tells a guy to do something which is otherwise any surgery on that is a shvot to shvot, something which is doubly lenient because it is for two reasons to be and that would be permitted to avoid loss of money. To summarize the halacha lama said then, there are three circumstances where we've seen that it is permitted to compromise the Shabbat, or rather, we do not compromise, but Chazal themselves compromised and allowed us certain leniencies in Chot Shabbat to avoid loss of money. One is the circumstance of being stuck on the road with one's wallet, or similar circumstance, where there's a unique circumstance that there's a fair the average Jew would give in to temptation with no other option, and violate Nisur Doraita, the Chachamim allowed us to violate Nisur Doraita in that circumstance. If it's not a unique circumstance, then we've seen that lahalacha, we do not permit violation of any Isur Drabanan to avoid loss of money. We don't even permit violation of any Shvot Shvot, anything which is doubly Drabanan, which is a Drabanan form of Drabanan. Even that is not automatically prohibited, permitted to avoid loss of money. Only in two circumstances we're dealing with an exceedingly lenient form of Isur Drabanan do we permit doing a Shvot Shvot, something which is doubly Drabanan, to avoid loss of money. One is Shvot Kilachar Yad, something which is anyway a serving Rabbanan, and then you do it in an unusual fashion as well, that is permitted to avoid loss of money. And, Amir La'akum, the Yisur Rabbanan, telling a non-Jew to do any Yisur Rabbanan, would also be permitted to avoid loss of money in Shabbat. So we've seen, although there are a range of Shittot, ranging from the Hagot Mordechai, and the Magad Avram, although he ends up not being so machver, is very attractive to this opinion, says we have no compromise for loss of money in Shabbat. Shabbat doesn't care about loss of money. It's not part of our world around Shabbat. Of course, there are those that arrive in the first answer of the round and say, just go ahead, Rabbanan, let you do anything which is rabbinically prohibited to avoid loss of money. We chart a middle course, and we say, the Torah does care about our money and wants to avoid loss of money, but only if one does the right combination, includes the right halachic combination of Shavot Kelacharyad or Shavot Akum, where it's two steps removed from the Torah prohibition. It's only Rabbanan plus it's very lenient because you're doing the Yisurit Rabbanan unnaturally, unusually, or you're having a guy do the Yisurit Rabbanan. In those cases, Allah estimated that one who wishes to be loyal to Chot Shabbat, but is also concerned not to suffer a great loss of money, can find a way to save his money using one of these two halachic permissions, and therefore be able to both remain loyal to Chot Shabbat and protect one's property and fulfill the spirit of Chazal, of Chassat, Aram, Amnon, Shal that the Torah cares very much, and not to cause undue economic hardship to the Jewish people. One addendum. An elder had been a colleague of mine once commented to me, what's the difference between a good rabbi and a bad rabbi? Any clever rabbi knows how to tie anything into anything. No matter what the occasion is, tie it into the parsha, or whatever it may be. Any rabbi knows how to tie anything into anything. The difference is a bad rabbi will give in and do it, while a good rabbi will resist the temptation. So at the risk of being a bad rabbi, I point out that the Torah really cares that Jews should not unnecessarily suffer loss of property. Why? One reason is, we may speculate the emotional toll. It hurts emotionally. It's a very unpleasant experience. It ruins my peace of mind and pains me and I suffer mentally if I suffer a significant financial loss. The Torah wanted to save me from that. However, in addition, the Torah knew that Jews need their money because they use their money for the right reasons. Jews need money to support a Torah lifestyle to give their kids a proper education, to support Torah institutions and give tzedakah. And the Torah wants us to have that money so that we could use it in pursuit of a Jewish life. One of the ways we use our money is to support good causes. And I've been asked to mention 
that this week is the fundraising drive for KMTT, Kimitzion, Tetzetarat podcasts. And there are a lot of expenses involved in sending out the Shirim. So if, dear listener, if you find that you appreciate the virtual Beit Midrash and the podcast and the Shirim, and they add something to your Jewish life, then please respond and show your appreciation by helping to support us so that we can continue to send out the Shirim and expand our operations. Thank you very much.